Podcast Answer Man, episode number 245. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hey, this is Chris Brogan from ChrisBrogan.com, and you're listening to the Podcast Answer Man. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast about podcasting, helping you take your show to the next level. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new podcaster, if you have been podcasting for many years, or you haven't quite yet recorded that first episode, there is something we can all do to take our show to the next level. Oh my goodness, my friends, and today I have a jam-packed full episode once again of great content. Uh, We're going to join this week uh, our forces with our great friend, Eric J. Fisher, who is from this point forward going to be our social media correspondent, uh, checking in with us uh, on a regular basis here at podcastanswerman.com. Also, we're going to talk about... uh, basically all kinds of exciting things in the world of hobby podcasting. You know, we talk, I I really focus a lot on the business aspects of things and people building brands that are, you know, going to become profitable and and, and things like that. But every now and then you just want to get some of that hobbyist feel, you know, just for, I just do this for the love of talking about a particular topic. And, And today's Where Are They Now interview is going to give you just that aspect of uh, podcasting. There, there's plenty of people out there just podcasting for the pure joy of just speaking to the the community of people around the world who share a similar passion. And today we're going to be talking to Jason Kabasi, who does the Walking Dead cast uh, related to the television show The Walking Dead. Anyway, uh, we're going to kick things off real quickly, though. Start off w- by answering two questions that have come in on our voicemail feedback hotline. Of course, you can call in at 859-795-4067. That number, again, is over at podcastanswerman.com at the top of the page in the header of my site. So uh, feel free to give us a call. First call from Tom. Tom, take it away. Hi, Cliff. This is Tom Wachowski calling from Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm calling about the Podcast Answer Man show. Uh, first, I just want to say thanks because your uh, products on there have helped me get from basically no knowledge up to very close to producing my first couple of podcasts, and the reason I'm close and not there is because I have a question, and um, those episodes, though, you know, learning how to podcast, uh, the free one, was so much help. And that led me down to buy um, WordPress for podcasters to get the tech stuff taken care of, evaluating a podcast so that I kind of uh, don't make some of the amateur mistakes that you cover in there. And uh, so anyways, those have, those have been great. They've really helped me. But I have this last question that I can't seem to get an answer from. I was hoping you could help. And it has to do with the hits that I am picking up as I produce these podcasts. And I'm using a uh, Shure SM58 mic plugged into a Behringer 802, pumping it all out to a Zoom H4n. And when I monitor as I talk, there's a hiss. It's, it's not too loud, but if I stop talking, I can hear it. And um, as a fellow, somewhat of a fellow audio snob, uh, the hiss is annoying me, and I just can't figure out how to get rid of it. I've Googled it to no end. So I was hoping you might have some tips 
on eliminating or getting rid of tiffs in a podcast recording. Thanks, Cliff. Again, Tom Wachowski from Phoenix, Arizona, and I look forward to your answer. All right, Tom, thank you for calling in. And I just want to remind folks that uh, there is the ability to submit audio questions for Podcast Answer Man by actually using your Shure SM58, your 802 mixer, and your Zoom H2 recorder, uh, recording that audio feedback in high fidelity for, especially for those of us who are audio snobs, if you wanted to record that way, you know, you could actually convert that over to an MP3, attach that to an email and just send it off to feedback at podcastanswerman.com and I would get that email. Uh, so the one, the reason, the only reason I mentioned that that's an option, Tom, is because, well, unfortunately, I don't get to hear what your hiss is sounding like. Here's what I hear, though. Uh, all, all I have in my mind is let's just assume this is the bare minimum. We have a Behringer 802 mixer plugged into the wall. And then I hear that you have a Shure SM58 microphone uh, connected via XLR into one of the microphone ports on the mixer. And then you have the audio coming out of maybe the CD slash tape out or the main outs. And you're actually going in directly into your Zoom H2 recorders line in port. Now, with that set up, I cannot, <clears throat> I cannot understand how you would have a hiss in there unless maybe you have a lot of semblance in your voice. And so uh, if, if it's semblance that you're, you're, you're referring to, uh, you could turn down the highs on your Behringer 802 mixer. Like, for example, I keep mine at 12 o'clock, but if I wanted to, I could s- do this. And, and I, if every time I say the S sound, I get a little bit more of a hiss sound, and, and that is really annoying. So I don't want to do that, so I turn my highs down. So maybe that's the hiss that you're talking about. But, you know, chances are I, maybe that's not the hiss. I don't, I don't know what hiss you're referring to. But really, if, if those are the only pieces of equipment, then uh, there could be some kind of background noise that's coming in when you're talking. But you say that it's there when you talk, but it's not there when you don't talk, which leads me to think, well, you didn't mention anything about a compressor limiter gate and going through anything else. So I don't think it has anything to do with that. Um it, you know, I, I'm tempted to think that if there's nothing else com- connected, if we're just talking about power to the mixer and you go from the microphone through the mixer and into the recorder, then you could potentially have a damaged microphone. You could potentially have a bad cable, uh, either from the mic to the mixer or from the uh, from the mixer to the recorder, or you could have something going on inside of the recorder. Um, really there's a bunch of different things you could try to troubleshoot. You could try to take the recorder out of the equation and send all the audio into your computer and see if, if you still have the same hiss there, uh, or, you know, are you hearing the hiss in the headphones as you're speaking? If you are, then it certainly has nothing to do with the recorder. Um, you know, and, and the other question is, you know, is, are, are you bringing anything else into the mixer? For example, do you have any cables coming into the line imports from your computer or laptop? And, you know, sometimes that will create a, a what we call a ground loop noise. If you go to podcastanswerman.com forward slash ground loop, there's a whole post and podcast about that. Uh, but, you know, without really hearing the hiss, I don't know. I would say my number one recommendation at this point is see if you can find somebody, maybe you go to a church or an organization that has a microphone 
uh, that they can let you borrow for a day and bring it home, plug it into your mixer and tell you and see if you have the same exact hiss. If you have the same exact hiss, then, you know, maybe you got a bad preamp inside of that Behringer mixer. So really, it's not easy for me to just without hearing it. And then, of course, without walking you through about 10 or 15 different things to troubleshoot. But at least hopefully this this these kind of things give you an idea. It when, when I am approached with a an issue in the sound production in the recording end of things, it really does come down to isolating the problem. So just logically think through what can I take out of the equation to see if the hiss is still there and try to as you can as you can roll things out, you'll eventually drive yourself to the point where you'll hopefully uncover what is the source of that hiss. So Tom, I hope that helps you in some small way. We're going to move next on into a call from Kirk Anderson. Kirk, take it away. Hey Cliff, this is uh, Kirk Anderson in northwestern Wisconsin. I'm calling for the podcast Answer Man. See, I set up a a sermon type of podcast for my church and uh, I noticed that the secretary had also put a PDF link to the sermon notes. And when I went into iTunes to listen to the last sermon, I noticed that it was downloading uh, the PDF sermon notes, but not the audio. And I looked through the feed and saw that this happened one other time when she used sermon notes as well. And I was wondering if there is a fix for that so that that iTunes looks for the audio feed and not a PDF document or if there's a way for both of those to be included. I actually like the idea of the PDF download included in the feed for uh, being able to look at the sermon notes, but it doesn't work very well without the audio as well. Thanks for everything you do. Look forward to hearing from you soon. All right, Kirk, thank you very much for the call, my friend. And I'm going to quickly tell you that this has everything to do with... um, uh, your feed picking up and creating an enclosure for any media file. Uh, and I, I I may be mistaken here, but I'm almost positive that when iTunes is going to download an episode from an RSS feed, they look at the first media enclosure. And so it is possible to enclose multiple enclosures or multiple files into your RSS feed. You could have a PDF document. You could actually enclose an MP3 file, a video file, and you could actually do all of those. You can enclose tons of files inside of your your uh, RSS feed. The goal, however, is to, in my opinion, only deliver out that MP3 file. Uh, yeah, it could be nice to create a you know a, you know a, a delivery service of the the sermon transcript if you wanted to or sermon notes or whatever the case may be um personally i think i'd I'd either create a different feed for that or try to go some other route but honestly uh what you're looking at is the fact that somehow your rss feed is enclosing an mp or a pdf before it's enclosing the mp3 now if you're using FeedBurner, like i typically suggest everybody do uh then this is this there is a very easy fix for this uh, I'm assuming that maybe you have WordPress that is actually doing the show notes and the you know a lot of the heavy lifting of creating your enclosures and all these other things. The thing is, is that you may not actually in WordPress have any enclosures whatsoever to the PDF document. But if you have in the show notes a link to download a PDF document, well then that link is showing up somewhere 
in your in your RSS feed because it's a part of the post or the show notes. So if you sign into FeedBurner at FeedBurner.com, go to the feed that you're referring to for your sermon audio, click on that feed. And then what I want you to do is I want you to click the Optimize tab. All right, once you click on the Optimize tab, go over to the left-hand side, click on SmartCast, and the very first post that you'll, or first option that you'll see with the dropdown, it says create podcast enclosures from links to, and by default, it will say any rich media file. And that, of course, would include a PDF. So if you want to, you could actually say audio files only, go down to the, pro, the to the bottom, click save, and once you've done that, just go over to your Troubleshoot Ties tab, and then scroll down and click the Resync Now button, and what will happen is it will dump out those, uh, it will dump out everything that it had done previously, and then it will look at your RSS feed from your WordPress site, and then it will only create enclosures from links to MP3 files. That that alone should fix it. There are some other things that you could look into, but but um, honestly, Kirk, if you're using FeedBurner, and I assume that you are because I know that you're following, following a lot of the materials that I've put out there, uh, then uh, just go through those steps and that will certainly solve it for you. Hey, real quickly, before uh, we go over to our social media cons- correspondent here, I wanted to just give you a brief, and I do mean very brief update, on the podcast mastermind group. Uh, I just want to say that I have been working on this thing for months. I had an original plan back in October of what this thing was going to be, and over the course of these past few months, I have worked tirelessly around the clock many times on on really writing out and planning exactly what is going to be offered for those who become members of the podcast mastermind group I, things have uh, I've, I've submitted those things to my personal mastermind group my board of many trusted advisors and through through many conversations uh, I will tell you what, what I ended up with is way different. Well, actually not way different, but what's going to be offered is different than what I had in mind when I first started. And the other thing is, is the commitment of my time to this member, to this group. My time commitment has drastically increased. Um, but I have already announced that uh, in the past that the first 50 people who signed up uh, will forever be allowed to be a member for $97 a month. And I'm going to keep to that, although I'm going to make one little caveat. I just talked to somebody, one of my advisors, he says, instead of saying the first 50, you know, because what if you right out of the bat get 65 people? It's like, how do you prove to those 15 people that they weren't in the first 50? And uh, he says, why don't you set a date? Why don't you set a deadline? And I will. I am going to be announcing the podcast mastermind group this weekend uh so probably saturday january 21st or sunday january 22nd and i will be announcing it i'll be putting out the invitation and people can apply if they choose to do so because there's not just a commitment from me but there is a pretty significant commitment on those who would actually consider uh joining such a group so uh, I, I can't wait to give you all the details next week in next week's podcast. I'll probably spend a lot of time telling you, w- you know, what this all started out as, 
what and how it ended up being what I am offering and what I am offering and what I'm not offering and why I believe that uh, I'm about ready to to see a whole new phase in in my approach to to how I'm able to help people in a much bigger way than I've ever helped them before. And I just can't wait to share it with you. But I don't have time for that today because we have so many other things. In fact, my friends, it's time right now for the very first uh, official report here for Podcast Answer Man. We're going to turn over to our social media correspondent, Eric J. Fisher, standing by. Eric, what do you have for us this week? Well, this week we're going to talk about if Facebook fan pages may be a thing of the past. A thing of the past? Gosh, I I got rid of my Facebook fan page a long time ago. Well, you were ahead of the curve. Ahead of the curve. Hey, you know, this is an interesting topic because um, I struggled for a very long time with this idea of the fact that my personal brand is my business. It is my my professional brand and my personal brand. They're one and the same. And so I had this issue where I had a personal profile, but also I had a Facebook fan page and some people would comment over on the post over here on the fan page. Some people would comment on on the personal profile. And the problem that I was having is those people weren't connecting with each other. I was syndicating my same status update to both places. Eric, you might have actually had a great conversation with two or three people on my personal profile. And then um, let's just say Jeff Gentry and Daniel Lewis and a couple other people are having a different conversation about the same status update over on the fan page. But man, how great would it have been had all of us been on the same page? Well, you were diluting the conversation about you and your content and your brand into two different places. And so you were actually cheating yourself out of some of the potential edge rank, as we will talk about some other time in the future, on Facebook to have your content, because it would be highly interacted with, become top stories and be viewed even more so than it already was. I made the decision. It was a tough call. I'm like, eh, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to worry about that stuff anymore. I'm just going to do everything from my personal uh, profile. And then a couple months ago, uh, Facebook introduced this thing called subscribe. Can you describe that real quickly? Sure. Subscribe is where you can follow all the public postings of a personal profile. So you don't have to be friends with them in order to see their posts, at least their their private, sorry, not private, their public posts. Right. So when you sign into Facebook, they have this thing called newsfeed, if you will. Yes. And in the newsfeed, you see all the things of your friends that you have connected with on Facebook. And before the subscribe button, you also had seen uh, some a lot of stuff from the fan pages that you liked on Facebook. Correct. And so basically a couple months ago, they did make it available to where you could start to see public status updates from personal individuals with personal profiles so that you could actually read what they're publicly saying online and sharing with the world with no problem at all without becoming their friend. It will actually show up on that news feed. This was this was extremely welcome news to me and I absolutely love it because, you know, there's a 5000 person friend limit on personal profiles and I'm like and oh that by the way it, when I decided to close out the fan pages that was one of my biggest fears is you know I'm I'm going to approach 5000 friends one of these days my only hope is that they eventually take away the friend limit of 5000 but they did something better they gave us the ability for people to subscribe 
to our personal profiles. And I just happen to make everything public. Well, and that's the key right there is that it's going to be your public stuff that people can subscribe to. So you still can maintain a certain level of privacy settings where you can post something and have it go out to, and you can check it to go out to only friends. And then if you have something you want to broadcast to the wide open world, to any of your subscribers, you can mark it public. I obviously have said, you know, for me personally, at this point in my life and in this point in my building my brand, Facebook fan pages are a thing of the past. I may come back to them in the future, but you're telling me that I might not have to. I don't know that you will have to know for your personal brand. So where is this coming from? Well, a few high profile people known as Mari Smith and as well as Pat Flynn have commented a few times on Facebook regarding the fact that and here's, here's a quick quote from uh, Mari Smith. She says, The Facebook news feed is clearly favoring posts and activity from friends and subscriptions versus fan pages. It's becoming increasingly difficult to get fan page content seen in the news feed. Pat Flynn said something similar. He says, I feel like I can do way better, although I am engaging a lot. Most of my posts, although I have 16,000 plus fans, get shown less than 50% or even as low as 30% of the time in people's news feeds. I mean, and Pat Flynn has had a major presence in a Facebook fan page and his engagement's way down because his stuff that he's posting in his Facebook fan page just isn't showing up in the news feed as often as before. Yeah, because he's using, um, his is a page, Smart Passive Income with Pat Flynn. So he's actually seeing that, even though he's engaging a lot and has 16k plus fans he's getting those those posts are getting shown to less than 50% and sometimes 30% of the people that like that page his potential audience this is crazy you shared an article with me and we'll put a link to this in the in the show notes here it's, it's titled five reasons facebook is changing completely and how to make the most of it from bufferapp.com I love this post because it's like, you know, okay, what are we going to do about this? And Eric, he gave basically five different things to think about when interacting with Facebook as it stands today. Do you want to tell us what the first one is? Sure. Uh, Number one is that posts from subscriptions clearly are favored over fan pages. This is something we just touched on. There's an example here that, for example, a lot of people follow the popular blog Mashable. Well, Mashable, its fan page on Facebook has... 750,000 fans. But Pete Cashmore, the head person at Mashable, his personal profile, which only has a third of that, 230,000 subscribers, has double the engagement. So he has double the engagement with one third of the following. Right. Wow. Let's go into number two on this uh, blog post here from BufferApp. It says, Facebook timeline, start telling your story. And what I love about this is, for, for first of all, if you guys haven't done this already, you have to go turn on the Facebook timeline. It's absolutely amazing. Now, the idea is that basically um, the Facebook says, tell your life story with a new kind of profile. And it is, you you do have the ability to go in and put, li- you know, major life events. I don't know, Eric, have you gone in and put, you know, the day you were born in a baby picture and the day you were married in a wedding photo and the day your kids were born? Have you done all that stuff? Someday I will. Yeah, I haven't done it. But, but here's the one thing I did do, though, is if you go to facebook.com slash Cliff Ravenscraft, 
you will find that I have chosen uh, specifically the uh, what would they, what do they call that? That's the uh, cover image, or yeah, it's just called your your cover. Yes, cover picture. Your cover picture. So I actually specifically chose the cover image that I wanted for Facebook. I've got my profile image exactly the way I want it, and I just think that that looks really nice. Um, and then I went in and I deleted any kind of stuff in my timeline that I really didn't think was needed to be there. But I still have most all of my status updates from the time when I first started Facebook. And here's what I love about the new profile or the timeline, if you will. And that is, I, I just think it's cleaner. It's it's just so nice to look at. And I'm still using Facebook the same way I did before, mostly status updates and just interacting with people via comments. And I'm seeing with with the new timeline and the new way thing, things are working with Facebook, I'm seeing a lot more engagement on Facebook than I'd ever seen before. And I actually enjoy going to Facebook and uh, and looking at it. And I enjoy going to other people's profiles and to, to see if they have timeline turned on and seeing what image they chose at the top. So Facebook timeline is amazing. The, the whole purpose of the story, as we're going to get to in the next item, is this is getting subscribers. And if you want to get subscribers, what you want to do is you want to have something that makes you look appealing as far as the information that you present and the way things look. And so you don't want some kind of just random picture that's blurry because it's blown up real big and and doesn't look that great on your timeline. Pick a nice photo that that represents you well and you, you just want to make things look nice. So anyway, what's next on this blog post here? Well, next is actually the Facebook subscribe button itself. And what it does is, it, it again, we it works very similar to Twitter where you can follow anybody that does not have a pro- completely private account. Um, one of the ways that you're going to drive subscribers, which is what they talk about in number three, is to, you know, if you've got podcast show notes on a blog post, that you, what you do is you'd put this little uh, Facebook subscribe button in there and it will show... If somebody's there, they'll most likely they're remain signed into Facebook and it will show others that have subscribed to you and it'll show, you know, different pictures. Like, for example, on this blog post for uh, for Joel and for Leo, um, if we're a friend or a subscriber, you and I both saw, you know, each other's little headshots. So it, it gains it, it's kind of a, a referral in a sense It's like, yeah. oh, you know, Cliff su- subscribed to this guy. And I'm reading his post. Maybe I would like to subscribe. And you can click subscribe right there from the post and yeah. not have to even be in Facebook. Yeah. And matter of fact, I just subscribed on uh, Joel and I didn't have to approve. No pop up. It's just boom, subscribe. I'm in. Right. And unlike a Facebook friend request, he doesn't have to do anything to approve it. He's enabled it already. Right. So. So very cool. Um, and then, of course, there's he, he also makes mention in this blog post about the Facebook commenting system. I don't think I want to go into that a whole lot right now, um, other than to say that uh, I recommend that you do go and check out this blog post and read items number four and five. When it comes to the Facebook commenting system, I just want to say that I'm not a huge fan of this idea of putting a commenting system on your blog where the only way people can comment is if they use their Facebook profile. Now, honestly, I would love it if 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 I lived in a world where everybody was on Facebook and everybody was okay with using their Facebook personal profile to comment. Mm-hmm. 
Right. But that's just not reality. I, I do have friends who go by, let's say, um, uh, Sparrow April, you know, and I happen to know that Sparrow April uses that username on Twitter and she uses that in chat rooms and, and some other places. But the fact is, is she does not want to go in and leave a comment where her first and last name are clearly posted in a public space. Yeah, there are privacy concerns. Yeah. So anyway, there's a little bit more to this this uh, blog post, but I think the big deal here is that we wanted to talk about is is that it looks like Facebook is favoring uh, subscriptions, you know, in the news feed. So uh, personal profiles getting that first look, Facebook fan pages really taking a back seat. Or are they? Or are they? We would love to hear your guys' uh, thoughts on this in the uh, comment section. Eric, will you join us in the conversation in the comments as they come in on the podcast episode show notes? Will do. Excellent. Eric, thank you, my friend. Uh, what do we got coming up next week? Next week, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the key tips and tricks you can do to up your edge rank on Facebook. Nice. We'll look forward to it. Thank you very much, Eric. Thank you. All right, my friends, and now it is time to turn our attention over to the Where Are They Now interview. This week, I'm talking with Jason Kambasi of the Walking Deadcast, and uh, this story has a great um, connection to my own beginnings in the world of podcasting, as he is podcasting about a television show that happens to be gaining in popularity around the world. Here is that interview right now. All right, everybody, I am on the line today with Jason Kabasi. Jason, I am so delighted to have you here on the Podcast Answer Man's Where Are They Now interview cool. series. Me too. I'm excited. I think um, I might be a little bit different than than most of the people that you have on. Well, at least you're alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm similar in that way. Tell folks a little bit about what your show is and what's the purpose of the show. My show is called The Walking Dead Cast. It's not that original of a name because what we do is we talk about the show The Walking Dead, which is on AMC. And um, we're, you know, we're big fans. Me and my co-host, Karen, we're both really big fans of the show. And we just have a lot of fun uh, talking about the show and having a lot of uh, listener engagement. Now, is this the the show that has recently become extremely popular or is there another dead zombie television show on now no yeah this is um it's one of the most popular cable tv shows i mean the way they put it when they put out their press releases is it's the most popular cable tv show uh scripted in the 18 to 49 range ever how long has this show been on the air it started last october october 2010 and there were only six episodes in the first season. And then now we're in the middle of season two. And you launched this pretty much near the, the beginning of it, knowing that this is what you wanted to cover. I did. I thought I would be the first since we were a few months early, but there were already two other ones out there. When were you first introduced to the world of podcasting? I actually used to work at Apple. I, I'm a tech writer, so I actually wrote the manual for the original iPod. Really? And Yes. And the iPhone. Sweet. <laughs> and so when podcasts started to, you know, come into the public knowledge and 
iTunes um, incorporated those, you know, we all, we all learned about it then. And um, I remember joking with some of the people I worked with, like who would want to listen to somebody come on and say what they had for lunch that day or whatever, you know, we were pretty skeptical, but then as time went on, um, uh, you know, I kept my eye on it and I saw a lot of really entertaining things were, were coming out. So I totally changed my viewpoint. Now I love podcasts and I listen to tons of them. What is your favorite podcast that you're listening to or subscribed to today? I think my very favorite is has always been This American Life. NPR? Yeah, NPR. And a, a lot of NPR shows that used to be and still are radio shows are now also released as podcasts. You guys all probably know that. So I subscribe to them because of the convenience of being able to listen whenever I want. So This American Life is one of my very favorites. Yeah. Why did you actually launch your show in the first place? Was it just as a hobby? Uh, was it because you want to become famous? Are you looking to make lots of money? What, what was the purpose for actually launching your show? Well, Karen and I, Karen's my co-host. We both really, really got into these lost podcasts. One in particular, Jay and Jack. Um, and I, I just thought it would be so much fun. You know, they sounded like they were having a lot of fun with it. And, and I kept it in the back of my mind. And uh, nothing really jumped out at me as to what I would want to podcast on. But when this zombie show came out, my friend Karen, she's also, we used to go watch horror movies together. So I just thought, oh yeah, this is be great. So I just thought it would be fun. Um, I realized soon after we launched it that I also had been wanting to be a part of a big community, maybe even be kind of a leader, you know? So it was fun to, and it still is fun to engage with the listeners and have a lot of back and forth and things like that. What kind of tools are you using to engage the the community of people that are listening to your show? Um, I mean, a lot of the engagement that we have is through just email and phone phone ins, and we use Google Voice for that for the phone ins. Um, we also have a pretty active Facebook page, and we we have a Twitter account. Although I'm not. I never really learned the best way to, to use Twitter. I need to, you know, study some more up on that. But right now it's Facebook and email and okay. phone in. Yeah. Do you have a lot of comments that get posted on your show notes or anything like that? Uh, yeah, more and more, especially after I talked with you and you gave me some really good tips on how to foster community. That's made a difference. I haven't talked to you. You know, we had our um, call last April and since then, I've been putting into, you know, using your advice and it's really helped juice things a lot. I know that you are listening to Podcast Answer Man. I just want to give everybody an update. I am absolutely in love with Live Fire, mm -hmm. the commenting plugin. I have switched all of my, well, not all of my sites, but the, the two big ones that actually matter, gspn.tv, my network shows, um, and podcastanswerman.com, both running Live Fire. And it is phenomenal the amount of additional engagement that that has been offering to me. Yeah, I just recently started using that too. And it's, yeah, totally beef, beef things up a lot. So it's good. It, it seems it, one of the things that I've noticed with it is that um, somebody will leave a comment and then eventually I'll, I'll go through and look at my notifications of comments and I'll respond to a comment. And it's almost and then and usually there's a couple other comments for me to respond to. And because it's it's real time. I, I'm noticing by the time I get down to the fourth or the fifth comment that I'm responding to, I'm starting to see the first few people that I responded to actually reply to that response. <laughs> so it, it, 
that that never happened in any any of the other plugins that I've used before. So that real time interaction is super sweet. I actually mm-hmm. like that. And the way that it brings together comments from different platforms all into one place is good. Yeah, like that, that. that's a feature that I don't think I really highlighted much in the episode 116 of Social Media Serenity that I told everybody about. And that is where you can actually tell it that um, anybody who mentions this post on Twitter, go ahead and bring that in as a almost as a comment down here. And mm-hmm. also if you can link your Facebook fan page and it brings those conversations into it as well. So that, that's a good point and, and something that uh, hopefully I'll get the folks from LiveFire in here soon and uh, talk about this stuff officially. What do you call the people who listen to your show? Uh, we were calling them undead heads for a long time. And uh, now sometimes I call them Zed heads. Nice. <laughs> here, here I was expecting, you know, are, are they an audience? Are they listeners? Are they fans? Are they community? Oh. But no, I love that. I, I totally was not expecting that. I love it. Undead heads. I love, you know, it, matter of fact, well, there, there's a thing that people can pull out of this, um, this uh, interview already. I know that I have another client. He does man cave radio and, mm-hmm. um, he calls his audience or his community cave crashers. Nice. So I like undead heads and, 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 and I think that that's something that's interesting. I wonder what I could call mine. <laughs> hmm. I've always just called everybody a community. They're a member of the community. I think I'll stick I, with it. Every once in a while, I, I you know, well, I, I just don't like calling them fans. That doesn't yeah. seem right to me. We're all fans of the show. So I call them listeners too, but mostly undead heads. I I occasionally will find myself say the word audience instead mm-hmm. of community, and I, I really don't like it when I say that because mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that they're I don't think that it's a one way method of communication, you know, where yeah. they're just listening. I really do think of it as a community. Um, mm-hmm. The but I, I t- totally agree with you. I'm not a fan of the word fans, mm-hmm. and although I'm a huge fan of Seth Godin's, and I can see I I say that. By saying that I really don't know Seth Godin. I, I've never connected personally with Seth Godin. And so I really like a lot of the things that I've read from him. And I and I read the book Tribes, which is amazing. Have you read Tribes yet? No, I've heard it come up in conversation a lot, but haven't read it. It is an absolutely fabulous book. And he talks about, you know, creating a community around a shared passion and you becoming the leader of a tribe and and what your idea is not to focus on the masses but by building super fans you know these Mm -hmm. people who become you know cheerleaders for you and your brand and your organization and and he does call them fans but uh, I I I totally agree with you fans is not what I want to call people who listen to our shows Audio feedback. You said that you get some uh, audio calls. You said you're using Google Voice for that. What is your most memorable piece of feedback, whether it be audio or an email or whatever? Well, I <laughs> I had an answer ready for that. But actually, when, when you ask about audio, one thing I really love is we get people to call in and make zombie sounds. Nice. And... Um, <laughs> Sometimes they, you know, will give their whatever they're going to say and then they say, oh, by the way, here's my zombie sound and then they give it. But other times we just get a call and it's just like, beep, you know, and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So we play them all on the show, you know. So here's how we um, I've incorporated all the, I pl- every time we do listener calls, I play this beforehand. Hopefully you can hear it. Uh, 
So those are all from listeners who've called in. I love that. Uh, as far as other feedback, you know, um, the negative ones, like I've heard some other um, interviewees of yours say, are, are sometimes more memorable. Like someone called us self-absorbed one time, and that really, um, you know, hit me. Like I thought about it for a while. Are we self-absorbed? You know, so that was memorable. And then other, other times people write in and they compliment us on things that I've really made some deliberate choices on. And I always love that. So it makes me feel good about those choices. So th those are memorable too. Do you do any sort of interviews for your podcast? Yeah. Uh huh. So you get, have you had actors from the show or anything like that? Yeah, we've had almost all of the principal actors one or two haven't we haven't gotten yet wow very nice and how have you brought those in uh what do you do you mean how did we get them or how do we actually that's that i'm i, I was thinking technically so let's talk talk there first and then we'll talk about the other one so technically okay. how do you bring those interviews into the audio recordings oh god so we i always mention to them that skype is best because the voice quality is best but only two i think have gone for that um I think everybody else has just called in and I, I, I have a Skype phone number, so it's still the same setup on my end, but they just call in. And in each of those situations has um, Karen, is it Karen you said? Yeah. And sometimes that, uh, you know, we do the interviews whenever we can. And since I work at home, I'm more flexible. So if she's not there, I'll either get another friend of mine or uh, once or twice I've done it by myself. And even a, a more recent interview, we had one of our, uh, more uh, long-time listeners come on and do the interview with me. Excellent. And and when they come in, you're, they're in via Skype as well then? Uh, most of the time. A couple of times they've been in studio. Yeah. Okay. And in the situation where you're doing the telephone in, are you, have you ever tr done that to where you have Skype on one computer with the telephone call and Skype on the other computer with the, co with the you know, let's say, co-host? Or do you conference the the live telephone call with just the the Skype to Skype as well? That's what I do. Conference it all in on one computer. Excellent. Okay. I just and that's worked pretty well for you. Not a lot of disconnects. Um. Yeah. Surprisingly so. Yeah. It's that's, worked well so far. I'm always dreading the time when it, somebody gets dropped. But yeah. You know, there was one time when the very first interview we did before I figured out that I needed to have Skype on both computers, I just had it all going on one computer, did the whole interview. And when I was done and played it back, my end of the interview sounded garbled like I was a robot or something. And so I had to go in and re-record all of my questions as if I was asking it for the first time. Mm -hmm. Took me all day to do that. And I had to try to sound like authentic and enthused and everything <laughs> that's horrible i i the first year i was podcasting i did an interview with the guy by telephone and my audio sounded absolutely tragic and i i i did i actually went in and, and said okay <laughs> this is what i said this is how i said it and then i went in and re-recorded it exactly the same way and uh it actually ended up sounding amazing but it was hours later Right. And nobody called me on that either. I mean, I'm so amazed at what you can do with editing and audio and taking things out. You know, you can really make it seamless. So the other end of bringing those in, how did you contact those actors and and how hard was it to get those people on the show? I just um, go through IMDb and get their publicist contact information 
and I write to them and tell them that, um, you know, we're the number one walking dead podcast and we're big fans and we, we want to help you, um, promote your show and our listeners are some of your biggest fans, things like that. But I, I keep it very short too. After you've done a couple of the interviews, do you, have you thought about taking maybe and creating a, like a three or five minute montage of clips of interviews you've done in the past to kind of get other people on board? I, you know, I have thought about that and I even started to do it, but I just, it wasn't coming together very well. I, I don't know. I think I need some help with that. You know, I might try it again sometime, but one thing I definitely do do also in those emails is I say, we've also interviewed so-and-so and and let them know that we have some experience. And I think that helps a lot, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It does. Matter of fact, I've, I've seen that firsthand. I've, cause we've had several people that we've got from the biggest loser, uh, fan podcast from the biggest loser, people from lost onto the lost podcast and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And there have been times when, you know, we got, some feedback is like so tell us you know who, who are you and why should you know it's kind of like you know why why are you even bothering me kind of a deal <laughs> and you can just tell that we're getting the cold shoulder and that and that pretty much their email is is it, it's asking a question but at the same time they're they're hoping that you don't email them back again and <laughs> and i've actually taken and say you know what here's a link to an interview that we did and, and, and I don't say this, but man, the actor that we had on was much bigger than the one that you're representing. Right. Just make sure and give him one. That's a big name, right? Exactly. And, and as soon, and as soon, it's almost like 20 minutes later, it's like, oh, you know what? We would love to get on. Okay. Yeah. So I think, yes, I think that's me. I think we kind of got lucky with the first couple of interviews and we actually started, um, you know, with some smaller interviews, but then, you know, just having building up some experience can totally help. Yeah. And and I think the other thing that I've learned, because now I've actually, I've got people who are publicists that I've talked to and, and that I actually work with helping them find podcasts for their, for their clients. And one of the things that they said that they like to look at is, you know, how many episodes do they have online? What is the, what's, how does their website look? Does it look professional? You know, because they don't want, you know, they, they want to make sure that you're serious about this. They, they're, uh-huh. they're not looking to just take it, you know, have their, you know, these high paid actors talking to just anybody and everybody. But they are they are serious about connecting with true fans. And if they can sense that you're a true fan, that you've invested in this, that this is something you're serious about, then they are more than willing to participate. So it's good stuff. Yeah. That's good to hear you say all that. I mean, it's stuff that I hadn't quite um, articulated in my mind, but um, it makes sense. And it's, yeah, totally. How much time and energy would you say that you ever on average put into each episode that you produce? Too much. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'd say I spend a good six hours prepping for each episode beforehand and another maybe three or four editing and publishing okay. afterwards. So tell me a couple of the things that you're doing in that six or so hours uh, in prepping watching the show. Is, is that included in that? Yes. Watching the show. And, um, I usually watch it twice. Mm-hmm. The second time through I, um, make hour long show. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. No, it's cool. I make comments and stuff and, and I, I, I pause it too much. And, you know, I, sometimes I feel like I worry a little bit about much what I'm going to say beforehand a little bit too much. Um, but I do that. And then I also collect news about the show. Mm-hmm. I get collate all the listener emails and calls together and, you know, I put it all um, together in a single agenda. That's basically it. So about six hours there. Um, and then, of course, what do you put out an, on average? About an hour show? Yeah. Mm-hmm. On average, an hour. And then why is it taking three and a half hours to edit that? I I go through and listen to the episode and I um, add in music and um, sometimes I get a little obsessive and start like taking out ums and things like that. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I've done a, a lot less of that. So I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, it's, it does definitely does feel like it's taking a bit longer than it should. I mean, I do want to be able to go in and like cut out bits of conversation that just didn't go anywhere, but, um, I would like it if it took less time. Yeah. I, the one thing I'm noticing here at 52 episodes, the first 10 episodes, three hours, three to three and a half hours of editing a one hour show within the first 10 episodes, that's fully ex- ex- expected actually um mm-hmm. for people who who are very very serious about wanting to, to put out a, a quality show um not that everybody has to and i can help people avoid that but the thing is though is after 52 episodes i'm just worried about burnout is that something that you've faced any so far in the 52 episodes that you've done a little bit i mean i'm still jazzed about it because the ro- the rewards are good and it's a lot of fun but as far as just the editing process yeah and sometimes i have um not bothered with it as much and then i it's, it's cut down to maybe an hour and a half one of the biggest decisions for me a long time ago was going to this whole process of live to hard drive uh, now podcast answer man is currently being edited but only these interviews so the rest of Podcast Answer Man is not edited. Uh, and mm-hmm. if there's not an interview, then then there is no edit on any of the shows that I do. Mm-hmm. And that was difficult because I have a lot of ums and I have a lot uh, uh, and I say the wrong things. And, and there are certainly things when I actually do get in and if I randomly maybe one out of every 100 or 150 episodes actually start editing something that we have said, I find myself spending an hour editing the entire hours long podcast. But overall, I have found that if you record and put as much in as possible, like for example, the music, uh, bringing that off of a computer and putting that audio in as the podcast is being opened. Uh, You know, when you hear me say, hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Podcast Answer Man. This is the podcast about podcast. I, that music's actually playing. I'm hearing it in my headphones yeah, and it's recording like a radio show. just like a radio show. And it took a, it took a long time to get used to it. But now, and, and, and it's, hard to, it's hard to believe this, total production. It, let's just say I have a 50-minute social media serenity podcast episode. That podcast, t- from the time I hit the record button until it's online, is literally 60 minutes. So yeah, that's so, amazing. So 10 minutes of post-production, and that includes taking the episode, converting it to MP3, um, then actually tagging the file, uploading it, putting together the show notes, uh, and then taking the link, putting the media enclosure, and publishing it to the site. Mm-hmm. 
within 10 minutes of hitting stop, it's online. You know, when we had our client call, um, that was probably the biggest piece of advice you gave me that I didn't take. I took it all the rest. But I think now having this conversation with you right now, maybe what I'll do is challenge myself to do one episode that way, see that it's going to be fine. <laughs> and then, you know, just start with just one. Yeah, give it a shot. And the, yeah. co- the thing is, is if you, I mean, obviously you have a co-host as well. Yep. And, and so if you can just say, you know, and, and even tell your audience, and, and that really takes the pressure off. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you let your audience know at the front, it's like, look, guys, we're going to try something different here. Uh, normally, I don't know if you guys know this, but I spend three and a half hours every week after we hit stop on this recorder. And 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 to be honest with you, after 52 episodes, uh, I've spent X number of hours in post-production. I love the show. I'm still jazzed about it. But if you guys don't mind, I'm going to give this a shot. We're, we're not doing a single edit. Now, of course, interviews, totally different. I, I, I In fact, I encourage you to edit an interview. Mm-hmm. I encourage you to do that to make the, to make your guest sound intelligent to make sure that you know when you I mean how many times have I messed up a question here that nobody is ever going to know about listening to this <laughs> other than the fact that I just told them I messed up a couple questions but the thing is is that I do recommend editing the interviews but if it doesn't have an interview and you and your co-host know that this is live to hard drive then then that actually causes you to it actually causes you to actually stop saying as many ums. It really does over mm-hmm. time. And and once you get used to it, once you get used to it, you'll never go back. I mean, I cannot imagine editing every show that I do. You know, we're, we're pretty freewheeling anyway, so I think it'll work out. And I'm just try- sitting here trying to think, what else have I been doing? We, we also used to edit out any curse words, but recently we decided that since it's a zombie show, we're going to try not doing that. We don't curse a lot anyway, but... Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I, I'll give it a shot. And then, yeah, adding the music in, that's taken a little bit of time. So we'll just do that live and see how it goes. Yeah. I have a couple other tips for you, uh, especially oh. with the curse words, just in case one does fly out or something like that. Now, what I'm doing is I'm recording into a digital audio recorder. So right now I can tell, and, and again, this is all going to be edited in post-production, but if, if I said something right now that I know for a fact it's the only thing that needs to be edited out of the show, I look yeah. down, it's like 32, 38. It's 32 minutes and 38 seconds into the show, and I write that down on a piece of paper. And then all of a sudden... Let's Go ahead and say something really bad so we can test it out. Oh, no way. <laughs> so um, anyway, if I mess up again a second time and I say something, I write down the next time frame. Now, here's here's the trick of this. When you go back and you've written down these timestamps, start from the end. So, for example, if you had one at 3238 and one at 4214, yes. yeah. go to 4214 first, because if you all of a sudden you, you create you cut out a little bit in the beginning uh, earlier ones, then you're time shifting everything back and your timestamps will all be off. So start from the end and work yourself forward and and make a commitment to yourself that says, I'm only going to edit what I have predetermined I'm going to edit. Mm-hmm. And and I'll tell you, it, it will take your three and a half hours down to 20 minutes of post-production. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, how much, you know, how much is your is your hourly, you know, what are you worth in an hour? And so, so outside of podcast directory submissions, what are some other creative ways that you found to build your audience? Uh, I posted on some message boards that have to do with the show and gotten people in that way. I want to, um, 
before you move on from there, I, I think that's great, especially for a TV show fan podcast or any other niche field where there might be online user forums that already are in existence, usually with, you know, 50, 100 or maybe even thousands of members on uh, on those message boards, forums. Now, how do you avoid going in and and just sounding like you're it's like, hi, everybody, I'm new here. And here's why you should come to my site. How do you yeah. avoid that here? <laughs> Yeah, that's one reason why I don't post on boards more because I don't want to do that. So I found this one board in particular that I like and I made it a point to go in and really take part. That's basically it's as simple as that, you know. Absolutely. I think that that's great. And and so you're a member of that community. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's called Roamers and Lurkers, by the way, Roamers and Lurkers dot com. Sounds like cool. me. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> so what are some other ways? Uh, Well, in the. Off season, when the shows, when the TV show isn't on the air, we've interviewed some people from other areas of interest. Like uh, there's this uh, zombie drama podcast that's very popular. So we had the guy who created that on. And then there was another guy who was an author of a zombie book and we had him on. So I, I don't know. Sometimes I think maybe people will come, will, you know, find out about that who are fans of that other thing and come to us that way. What's one major obstacle that you faced in the production of your show, getting it off the ground? A major obstacle, I, you know, nothing, I, I haven't found any huge obstacles. I mean, there've been plenty of challenges. Um, you know, I had to buy all this equipment. We had to figure out how we were going to put the show together, like, you know, structure wise. But, um, Everything that I've come across that I didn't know, I just went online and found the answers. And, you know, you your, you and your site and your podcast helped a lot with that. So I don't know what I mean, like what what is what's the most common answer? Is there one? Well, th- these this interview is pretty new, but I, I think technically, you know, some people would, you know, if I were to ask this and think about my clients overall, what kind of obstacles are keeping them from launching their shows? Sometimes it's they, they're just clueless about what how an RSS feed works. Many people, even once they successfully launch a podcast, like, yeah, I've got my first episode in. Now, do I need to go set up another feed burner feed for episode two? And do I do that for every? I mean, so there are a lot of people who are really confused about RSS. Well, one thing that really helped me is I was jazzed about it. And so anytime something came up that I didn't know, which was a lot, I'd just go find out. And I was very motivated to do that, you know, and the information is out there. Has the podcast opened up any kind of creative opportunities for you that you wouldn't have expected from the beginning? There's this one really great thing that I got to do because of the podcast. And um, it has to do with the show, The Walking Dead. But I'm not allowed to talk about it because I signed a non-disclosure agreement. You might be able to guess what it is. But um, anyway, I, I, I wouldn't even bring it up. But it's just like really um one of the things that i wanted to do and then another thing is we had the um makeup and special effects lead come on for an interview greg nicotero and when our interview was over he asked karen and i if we wanted to come on and be zombies on the show next season and so um i really hope that we get to do that so the the thing i can't talk about and this thing are two things that um you know, I, when I started this, those were kind of like my pie in the sky goals. And and they've become reality. Yes. Yeah. 
Excellent. Now you said that, you know, you spend the six hours in pre-production, an hour recording, three hours post-production, but it's, it's worth what you get in return. And what, what are you getting in return? It, well, you know, it's weird to say, but it's probably one of my, when we're recording the show, one of my favorite hours of the whole week. I mean, it's just so much fun. I love it. And then when the um, listeners write in and engage with us, um, it's a blast. I mean, I just feel this connection with all these people and we're doing something that we really enjoy and we're bringing other people in. I've never experienced anything like this in my life. So it's just a great experience. There are some people out there that are listening to podcast Answer Man on a weekly basis and maybe they've been listening for a couple weeks or months or even years and they haven't yet launched that episode. They desperately want to start a podcast, but they haven't done so yet. Mm-hmm. What would you say to those people? I'd say, I mean, I think that they're probably, those people have various different reasons. You know, one person's reason may be different from another. But if the reason is that you just don't know whether or not, you know, it will work, I think one way to really help with that is if you have someone in your life that you enjoy talking to your subject about already and they're interested, get them on as a co-host. Because one of the reasons why my podcast works so well is because my friend Karen and I used to talk about this stuff anyway and we had a lot of fun. And so we just do that and record it now. So if that's a possibility for you, I'd highly recommend that. It'll make it a lot better. That's awesome. So um, real quickly here, where can people find you online? Just go to walkingdeadcast.com. Walkingdeadcast.com. Jason, it has been a pleasure to get to to have you on the show, uh, to have you as a client. And uh, I just thank you for sharing your podcasting journey with the, uh, the folks here in the community. Thank you, man. It's been a lot of fun. I totally appreciate it. Well, there you go, my friends. That's going to end it here for this episode, number 245 of Podcast Answer Man. Wow. I'll tell you what, I just I just love doing this show each and every single week. My friends, I hope that uh, you have enjoyed the new format here, adding my good friend Eric J. Fisher in as our social media correspondent. Really looking forward to next week's conversation. I already had a preview of what we're going to be talking about good stuff. It's going to get you noticed in the timelines uh, or actually people's news feeds on Facebook. We're going to talk a little bit about how to do that next week. Uh, Real quickly, I just want to say a quick shout out here, a random plug of the week to How to Be Be Happy Podcast by Jared and Emily Akers. You can find that over at jaredakers.com. That's J-A-R-E-D. A-K-E-R-S.com. I'll put a link to this over in the show notes, but just uh, I love to just pull out a random show. No really rhyme or reason as to who I'm pulling out, but just a random plug of the week to How to Be Happy podcast, Jared and Emily Akers. Go check it out, jaredakers.com. I'll have a link in the show notes. Also, real quickly, want to say thank you to and the, the folks behind 88888ee.com have no clue what in the world's going to be there. If, if, if it ends, you know, maybe you just want to make sure that you're not at work when you pull it up because right now it's just kind of pulling up a blank page and, and with some kind of title that's in French language that says and something else or something. But uh, anyway, I just want to say thank you to the folks behind 5 number 8 2 ecom 
for using my Bluehost affiliate link. You know, my friends, if you use my affiliate link for signing up at Bluehost, I do get a very generous commission for that. And uh, it, I, I just want to, I really appreciate it. And if you are not signed up for my mailing list over at podcastanswerman.com, there's an opt-in form in my sidebar. If you are not signed up for my mailing list, you definitely want to be signed up for that mailing list if you want to hear all the details about this podcast mastermind group. It is going to be the biggest thing I've ever committed myself to since launching my business. And I am excited. That's that's all I'm going to share right now. Uh, but big reveal next week. And to be honest with you, yeah, there's a good chance that this thing might sell out on me. So I, I'm, I'm only going to allow 100 people right out of the bat or right out of the gate. So uh, and I've I've already got 33 people who, well, 12 have, 12 have said, I'm definitely in no matter what. And then I've got another uh, uh, 21 people or so that said, uh, I just need to have you tell me what it is. And I'm pretty sure I'm in. And I have a mailing list of, uh, well, 900 and some odd people that have said, hey, I want to know about anything you're doing in your business. Just tell me about it. So... If you want in and you want to be among the first people and you want uh, the lower rate of only $97 a month for as long as you're a member, then uh, make sure you're on that mailing list or email me, cliff at podcastanswerman.com. Until next week, my friends, I encourage you to take your show to the next level.